0: This is the Village Church Q&A podcast, where our goal is to create digital, shareable, and helpful content to make disciples who will
1: go, grow, and overcome. Welcome to the Village Church Q&A podcast. Suze McLeod here with Pastor Michael. Hello, hello. Today, we are talking about tone. I love talking about speakers and tone. So here's the question, Michael. Is there an inappropriate tone for pastors to use when they are preaching?
0: Absolutely. So let me do two things. Number one, I want to talk about the goal Mm -hmm. in tone. I'm not talking about faithfulness to God's word, all the things that go with preaching, communication, anywhere really, but like we're just going to talk tone. That's what we're going to focus on. So let me tell you the goal and then we're going to go through this. This is kind of funny the more I think about it. Uh, I labeled uh, seven different kinds of tones. Ooh, now, I can't more, wait to hear those. Okay, but yeah. we're going to go through them. And I want to kind of just, I'll give you my two cents. I'll tell you where I more tend to land on mm, some things. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then we can incriminate everybody in the process. Sound good? Great. great, let's oh, do it. That'll be fun. Yeah. Right? So let's talk about the goal. I want to give three big goals when it comes to tone. Goal number one would be to represent Jesus accurately. Now, Jesus is never one tone or one emotion, et cetera, but tones have the ability to make people not like the person you represent, okay? Mm. So I can't always control how people are going to receive me. And I might even have a great tone, and the problem might be they just hate Jesus and everybody who represents him. Yep. But what I don't want is for my tone to unnecessarily push people Whose hearts are willing to consider Jesus, and that happens a whole lot with pastors, preachers, Christians. Um, we have tender hearts yes. and terrible tones. Yes. And so, just noticing, like, if I have a track record mm. of people telling me I don't want to listen to you, oh. or consider your Jesus, or I had a really hard time, he- really even mm. hearing God's word because of how you spoke. Mm. If you're starting to get that kind of feedback, then you know, as a preacher, then we gotta we gotta rein stuff in. Yeah. I need to get some accountability. I need people to, to start listening to this message. And I need to, I need to shift some things. Always, not 99% of the time, tone is a hard issue. Yes. Okay, so I'm so
1: glad you went here.
0: You just got to know that. When your tone is negatively impacting people, mm. it is almost always because there is something in your heart bubbling out. Mm. So when I, I have worked with a handful of preachers in my day, <laughs> and what I tell them always is that your content could be amazing. But here's what here's the X factor in every one of your sermons. Your heart, it's always coming out of your mouth. When you're faking it, anything, like it's always there. And the problem that a lot of leaders have, forget about pastors, just leaders, is that we pay a lot of attention to our minds, mm-hmm. but we can't see our hearts. Yes. So we're not aware of what's coming out because the heart is coming out, but we're only aware of the mind. Right. But our listeners, whether they have the vocabulary for it or not, they will start to pick up, pick up on yeah. what's actually going on in our hearts. Uh, and here, just catch me. This is so good. People are petrified to tell spiritual leaders about heart concerns, mm-hmm. largely because spiritual leaders don't want to hear about heart concerns. Mm-hmm. That's terrible to say, but like, mm-hmm. now, I mean, in our ideal moments, we do.
1: Plus, it's harder, right? Right. You can band-aid fix someone's tone. You can say, you got sing-songy, or you sound right. a little prideful when you say this type of phrase. So cut that phrase. Cut the phrase. That's a yeah. band-aid. Right. But if we're like, well, you sound prideful, you sound prideful
0: three Sundays in a row. What's going on? Totally. You can band-aid quirks, mm-hmm.
1: right? Yeah.
0: You can't band-aid the heart. Not at all. You can't. It's just there. It's it just Out of the comes heart, the out. mouth speaks. That's it why it says
1: it in Proverbs.
0: I'll give one exception to this. Everybody can muster up enough self-control for one 30-minute sermon where they yes. can cover up the heart issues and put on their game face and be an actor, right? Yep. But when you preach repeatedly, mm-hmm. okay, the heart, it just always comes out. My goal is to represent Jesus, number yes. one. What's going to get in the way of that is almost always going to be my heart. Sometimes a lack of training mm-hmm. uh, is a problem, but oh, uh, for sure. but people can look past that. Often, they may not want to hear it regularly, but they can look past it and if they see a humble heart it doesn't mm-hmm. mean it doesn't mean it's a perfect heart, just a humble heart mm-hmm. a, a humble heart is the ability to acknowledge that like no I'm, I do have broken parts of me mm. a humble heart is approachable, a prideful mm-hmm. heart is not mm-hmm. and uh but most people have had um fairly prideful spiritual leaders who are not wanting, willing, and asking for really hard feedback. And so because maybe they've had one or two bad examples, even if they did have a humble spiritual leader, there is a, I would just say almost a ubiquitous like hesitance and reticence to to say the hard things. It's like the I other see pride component in of
1: that is you have to actually see the pride in them. Yeah. And be able to explain that. And what that actually looks like. So right. it does put an onus on the person giving the yep. consult or the pastor mentoring the, the younger pastor.
0: I've had a handful of conversations where people have approached me with things and I've, I've learned to serve them. I'm not saying I always do this well, but like I've learned to serve them by saying, I don't need you to have great vocabulary or even to give an example just okay. your hunch is enough for me.
1: Oh, that's super helpful. Yeah. So
0: we have a we have a staff team value which is address the hunch because mm-hmm. I'd rather be wrong about the hunch mm-hmm. than be right and not say something. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mhm. Number one, we're still on the goals. Gosh, I got yeah, a lot I to say. I love that.
1: I know. This I've might been, need to be a two-episode <laughs> <like> shenanigan <laughs>
0: podcast. But uh, so number one is represent Jesus. Number two is be who you are faithfully. Yes. So I love the Apostle Paul and all of his writings. His personality comes out. His temperament comes out. His brain comes out. Like God is not ashamed of you. He designed you. And so ministry is about a collaboration of the spirit of Jesus in you and your spirit coming together to be who God made you to be. You know. So no two preachers and no two servants, no two musicians no two talkers or whatever. You know, just be you. Like, I made you, he loves you. You don't have to be like, none of me, all of Jesus. No, that's actually not true. All of you should point to all of Jesus. So there's a different category here. Oh, I hear
1: that. I love that too for anybody that's growing up and learning to speak to groups. Right. Is... You don't have to be Michael. No. You might like this one really great thing Michael does, and maybe you're going to bring that into what you do, and maybe you like how—I like how Steve does something, so I yep. bring in Steve. But at the end of the day, God made Zeus. Yeah,
0: Sus. My, <laughs> my first sermon, I had been listening to John Piper uh-huh. for like three years, you know, and—two years, actually. But like— a hundred sermons. Uh-huh. So I get up and give my first sermon. I'm like, just turned 20 years old. And it was basically John Piper in the pulpit. Like, who was that guy? It wasn't even me. Do you have a copy of that? I, I have a copy of my, I think it was my second or third sermon. Okay. It's so bad. Oh
1: my goodness. I, I get yeah. filled
0: with unbelievable anxiety. Oh, it's a cassette I can, tape.
1: I hear you. Yeah. And
0: a Few things stress me out. Do like, people
1: know what cassette tapes are, though? I don't know. Yeah, I don't
0: know. If Dan, do know you know? That. Yeah, you I just, think he does.
1: You made an old school reference. Dan's our
0: producer. In case anybody you know born that.
1: after the nineties has no clue. That's, right.
0: That's yeah. something. <laughs> my my children. So we have a cassette. Uh, you have a
1: player. Yeah, a cassette tape player. It's like
0: a record player, cassette player, CD oh, wow. player, like combo thing in mm-hmm. my office. And so we have a uh, old salty cassettes, and they put them in, and it's it's really hilarious. We have an Amy Grant, you know, oh, just stuff like that, yeah, and it's yeah. like,
1: oh yeah, I grew up on Amy. What's
0: that? Uh. uh baby baby
1: yep Anyways, dun, 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 dun. i got the notion right. okay let's move on
0: number 3 is culturally appropriate so represent jesus yep. faithful to who god made me and then culturally appropriate mm-hmm. so like if you were if you went back in time like 200 years ago we don't have audio of, of the puritan preachers or 300 years ago but there was an authority um there it was a very not personal like mm. your personal life culturally in that context would have been semi-inappropriate to bring into the pulpit. It was seen as crass, and um, your job was to be almost the prophet. Like you in the Puritan culture, okay. were borderline irrelevant. Your job was to be simply the conduit of the magnanimous works of God. You know, right. it was always oh, right. big, and you're just right. the you're the straw that the mm-hmm.
1: that the you're goodness the messenger. goes through. Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. You get to like let's let's just give a couple snapshots in the 1950s. Right, Billy mm-hmm. Graham comes in and he's doing crusades and, and it's interesting, culturally, he was permitted to be blunt, Mm. to be like, you're going to hell, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, just the things that he would say Mm -hmm. and, and the secular culture would applaud him. And like Billy Graham is one of the most respected men in the world. And, and Billy Graham had this authority. You need to repent and Jesus Christ come forward. And people did like, yep. The crazy thing is non-Christians went to go hear him. Like yeah. they went to go do that. Yep. The only way you're going to get to a crusade is going to be if Greg Laurie does it, yep. by and large, maybe Luis Palau. Mm-hmm. But in America, if you're going to go to a crusade, your friend's going to drag you. Right. I mean, it's it's just an interesting dynamic. You get into like the uh, late 70s, 80s, 90s, and uh, I, I watch a trend happen where um, what are now uh, boomers and a little bit older, there was a lot of permission for very hard, very divisive. Yeah. Us and them authoritative, hmm. um, right and wrong. Like, and again, of course, we believe in right and wrong and authoritative, but it was very uh, almost oppressive. And then there was another stream at the same time. I would put these guys into the David Jeremiah, Chuck Swindoll side of things, okay. which was the highly exhortive, oh. powerful storytelling. Hmm. So in the 70s, 80s, and 90s, when you really actually just take a bunch of evangelical preachers, yeah. they often fit into one of two categories. Yes. Very authoritative. Or very exhortational, and by and large, those are the guys who made it big time. And as a evangelical culture, we just invited them into our lives, and we we gave people permission to be dogmatically authoritative on secondary and tertiary issues. Yes, that nowadays we would never let them do those kind of things. Mm-hmm. And then we would also we love the David Jeremiah's and Chuck Swindoll's, and we still do. They're they're almost timeless, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they are. They're not there to incite. They are just pure exhorters. To me, mm-hmm. the Barnabas world of preachers, the, yeah. the exhorting world, they they will always have a place. They're always going to be beloved because. That's how I feel about Howard Hendricks. Right. Yes. Yeah. He's another one. Like. Yeah. He dies and everyone's like, oh. We're
1: Howard still watching Henry. the DVDs. Are timeless, they're even timeless. though they're so old. When you look at the video, yeah. right.
0: Which is the perk of of exhortational, Barnabas-style, story-driven mm-hmm. preaching, mm-hmm. if it's rooted in God's word, the human heart is always ready to be encouraged. Yeah. It's not always ready to be trained. Yeah. But it's always ready to be encouraged. I'm
1: going to botch this fact, but just a little bit, the idea False. of... <laughs> <laughs> Howard Hendricks taught a class at Dallas when mm. my father-in-law was there many moons ago. And it was the marriage class and it took an entire semester. Mm. And my father-in-law said, you know, he went through one chapter. It was First yeah. Corinthians or something, he goes, but it took him The whole semester. And for my father-in-law, he's like, no, I have a high value on like this, the word of God. So he wasted a lot of time. Whereas I'm like, oh, I bet that was the most amazing class ever. But these different preachers, you're right.
0: It's very interesting culture. So it's nowadays, let's just talk about younger preachers under 40. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Um, What's happening is authenticity is the new authority. Why? Mm -hmm. Because a lot of the authority authority guys in the 70s, 80s, and 90s fell.
1: I was going to say they failed, right?
0: Yeah, big time. Yeah. Um, Or they didn't adjust their style of ministry with culture and they became functionally bigots or Mm. mean Mm -hmm. or cold hearted Mm. um, or divisive in the body when never more than ever have we had to really figure out what is common ground. They're still dividing on tertiary issues and it doesn't land with younger generations. And so um, because of that, there's a lot of pain -hmm. Right or wrong, good or bad, because of that style of leadership. So now we have an entire generation of young Christians, preachers, and pastors who are hurt. And the people of God for three decades in the evangelical church, maybe four, have been shocked because the man they thought they knew proved to not be the real man. And so now it's because there is no
1: private life anymore.
0: Correct. Yeah. So now the new authority is authenticity because people Mm -hmm. don't want to be surprised. Lead out of your brokenness. Mm -hmm. Every generation can actually probably point back to Paul as their model. Mm -hmm. Paul was authoritative and demanding and discipline and whatever. Mm -hmm. And and the authenticity guys would be like, but he was raw and he just led out of his own weakness and shared all of his deepest struggles. And probably the best preaching is takes all of it together and leaves out the bad and takes in the good. I want to be an encourager. I want to be authoritative. Um, I want to be authentic. You know, like, I want all of these, but really whoever gets there, nobody. Right.
1: That's why you talked about the heart at the beginning of this episode. I have an idea. Okay.
0: Let's pause this one because I've got seven different tones (laughs) that I want to go through.
1: Okay. Part two, Pastor Michael, we're going to talk more about inappropriate tone for pastors to use when they are preaching and you're going to break it down into seven
0: categories. (laughs) It's going to be epic.
1: Oh, I'm so excited.